Blog Talk Radio. Go 
Welcome, folks, to another thrilling hour of the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. And the question is still, am I black enough for you? Am I black enough for you? You know, I was on the phone. I was on the phone earlier today, and I called into one of my favorite talk shows, um, you know, Radio broadcast out of my hometown of Chicago, Santina Jackson, Jesse Jackson's daughter, is the host of this show on a, the first in the nation, really, WVON in Chicago. And Santina and I have a long-standing relationship. Call it a feud if you like, if you insist. Yeah, it's a feud. Well. N- so she and I were she was talking on the phone about something about the Klan, of course. Cause she's always talking about how white people ain't no damn good. And she's talking about the Klan and then she she mentions that, well, you know, President Obama didn't get many votes in Indiana in Monroe County in Indiana, especially. And you know the Klan was founded out there. And, of course, I'm monitoring this show because I have nothing else better to do. So I'm monitoring this show. And, of course, the red flag goes right up, and I call in. And she knows who's calling. They tell her. She makes the mistake of letting me on the air. And I said, Santina, Santita, listen, honey. Once again... You're giving your audience false information. It's fake news. That's what it is. It's You're disseminating, once again, and as usual, fake news. And she said, what do you mean? And I said, well, honey, sugar, bless your heart. I actually said these words. And I said, Klan wasn't founded in Indiana and in Monroe County. It was founded. Who knows where it was founded? Anybody? Mm-hmm. The Klan was founded in a little town called Pulaski in Tennessee. So you've got your audience, ignorant as they are, I actually said that, believing that the Klan was founded in Monroe County, Indiana. Now, if you're going to disseminate information, Santita, at least be accurate. At least you owe it to your audience. Well, she ushered me off the air real quick, as usual. And, uh, Made up some excuse about having to go to commercial. So, uh, I listened for a while. And, of course, the next caller calls in. And, of course, as I'm expecting, the caller says, Yeah. The caller says, You know, those white people love to call into this show. 
white people love call you know he ain't one of he he you know he ain't part of the no they don't say he ain't one of us they'll say he's not part of the he ain't part of the community that's another word for he ain't black so and you know I experience this all the time whenever I call into a radio show even if it's a sports show where I'm known if I call in the ESPN or someplace like that, my moniker is Evil Clown. So when I call in, I call in as Evil Clown. But, and I'm sure some more folks are wondering why, but we'll get to that later. So, listen, um, so whenever I call in, it's automatically assumed by the listener that I'm not black, that I'm white. It's assumed that there's a white man calling in, and sometimes they assume it's a white woman, which is it's a little embarrassing, I guess. You know, I have a, a distinctive voice. But nevertheless, if a person doesn't see me in person, and we're not communicating face-to-face, nine times out of nine – that person is going to assume that I am white. And often they will assume that I am a lot younger than I am based on the sound of my voice. Now, my family reunion is coming up on the 31st, and it's going to be hosted in Pulaski, Tennessee. Yes, the birthplace of the Klan, and it is also the birthplace of my great-grandfather, and his ancestors before him. That's where we came from, Pulaski, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. On my father's side. So we're going to have and, – and you know what's going to happen? When I get there, they're going to be blacks. They're going to be whites. They're going to be Hispanics. My great-grandfather was as white as they come, a white Irishman. Sure was. Rufus Phelps. That's his name. All right, so we all black, but we're all we're white, too. There are going to be some white people there. That's just how it was. That's just how it is. But you know what, folks? It's automatically also assumed that if you're black, then you must be a Democrat. You've got to be liberal because you're black. And there's just no getting around it. If you're black and you're a Republican, then you are a sellout to a lot of black people, most black people. You are a sellout. You're an Uncle Tom. You aren't really black. And somehow, you forfeit your black card, whatever that is. I don't even think there's really a card. But nevertheless, I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't, if, if, if there was one. So – you're not really black if you're a Republican and black. 
because somehow we've been led to believe over the last 50 to 60 years that we must support the Democrat Party. That we, if you're black, then you have to be a Democrat. And and and, and for me, I, I just don't understand it. Today's date, August 15, 2018, the United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. I don't get it. Because if you know your history, and a lot of black people are telling me I need to learn my history, frankly, it's actually the other way around. If you know your history, you know fully well that it's not a good idea to be a Democrat. But see, what has happened over the last 100 years or so is the Democrats have led blacks to believe that they're looking out for their best interest, that they're looking out for our best interest. And the Republicans are the racist. And the Republicans don't, quote, care about us, end quote. No, they don't care about us. And somehow the Democrats care about us. Now, if you listen to some of my previous broadcasts, you'll know that the Democrat Party was the party of the Klan. The party of Jim Crow. The racist party. And the Republican Party was the party that allowed for the first black congressman. The Republican Party was the party, is the party that says, that, that, that said, we're, you know, we're going to give the vote to the blacks, to black folks. Once you know, it, it was Abraham Lincoln, in fact, who stated that, you know, once this war is over, black people deserve the right to vote, black men. So we had the first black congressman. We had black sheriffs. We had black people in high office, not too high, but high enough, certainly coming off of the Civil War is pretty damn high. So from Reconstruction right up until the New Deal, the black population tended to vote Republican. But what's changed? Because the Republican Party, particularly in the Southern United States. In the southern United States, y'all, was seen as more racially liberal than the Democrat Party. Why is that? You know, and every word is true. Black conservatism in the United States is real, folks. Now, Joseph Rainey. Does anybody know who Joseph Rainey was? In 1870, Joseph Rainey of South Carolina was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives, becoming the first 
directly elected black member of Congress to be seated. And guess what? He was a Republican. What about that? Who was the first Republican black presidential candidate? Herman Cain. Yeah. We have so many blacks who are Republicans of high achievement, I I don't even have time to list them all. So why is it that when I acknowledge the fact that, number one, I'm a Tea Party member, number two, I'm a conservative, number three, I support our president, and I support all the things that he's trying to do, every single thing. Why is it that blacks have a hard time with that? Why is it? Because I don't understand it. I honestly cannot understand it. The Republican Party was founded for the black people to, if not outright eliminate slavery, slavery, but curtail it in the new territories and then work toward outright and work toward eliminating it entirely. It was the Democrats who held us back for so long. And then suddenly when we became too populated, when we when we began to to, to multiply exponentially Suddenly, the Democrats said, well, hold on now. If we can, if we can get these, these niggas to come over to our side and vote for us, that will increase our power base over the Republicans. We can turn the tables on the Republican Party by taking away the black vote by hijacking the black vote. And and how do we do that? Well, we know these niggas are poor. We know a lot of them don't have education, don't have good schooling. So let's promise them a few things to get them to come over to our side. Let's promise them a little bit of food. Let's promise them a little bit of education. Let's promise them some free housing. Let's give them some stuff. And then tell them how much we care. And that's all we got to do. Tell them we really care. Because what's happening, I'm speaking as a, as a low-life Southern Klan Democrat right now. Oh, because them damn Republicans... They're saying that blacks need to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. And if they want to they want to get it, they got to get it themselves. So all we got to say is, no, 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 we know y'all niggas ain't, ain't too bright. We know y'all ain't got much schooling. And we know, you know, y'all, y'all need to come up a little bit and we can help. We can help you, niggers. Come up a little. 
So here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you all some, we call these things food stamps. We're going to give you all some food stamps. That way you can go on to the store and get yourself some bread, some milk, some meat. Ain't got no place to live. Oh, what a shame. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to build some real low-rent housing out of these big old cinder blocks. We're going to call it Ida B. Wells. We're going to call some of these places Robert Taylor Homes. We're going to call them projects. Public housing. We're going to stack all you niggers in these low-rent public houses. And all you got to pay is a nominal amount every month. And you can live like kings, your food stamps, and your housing. And we're going to come up with a few more programs for you. But here's what you got to do, nigger. You got to get, you got to vote. You got to keep coming out, and you got to come out, and you got to come out, and you got to vote. Because the only way you're going to keep getting all these free goodies is if you vote for me and vote for us. Vote for the Democrat Party, and we'll keep looking out for you. We keep, we'll keep taking care of you. We'll keep throwing these crumbs out to you. Of course, they don't use that word. But oh, but you got to keep coming out to vote for us. Otherwise, you're going to be on your own. Because them damn Republicans, they're telling you, you've got to, you got, if you want to get it, you got to get it yourself. And we're telling you, no, we're going to give it to you. We're going to give you something anyway. So, Here's where the Republican Party falls off because the Republican Party is saying, still, damn, we just lost a black vote, or at least a lot of it, because those damn Democrats are giving them away free stuff. And those blacks are running over trying to get their free stuff, telling them they ain't got to work. And we'll teach you. A little bit of read and write and arithmetic. And we'll give you some low rent, low budget housing. Well, Republicans say, we just can't compete with all that. Because we ain't about giving stuff away for free. If you want it, you got to go out and work for it. And this is where the Republican Party slips up. Because blacks... At that point, they were believing. They were believing what folks were telling them. They were believing what their own parents, what their own kin, what their friends were telling them. Oh, you just another nigga. You ain't no damn good, and you ain't never gonna be no good. And don't you go talking white, because to them white folks, you just another nigga. You ain't nothing and you ain't never gonna be nothing. And they just keep on saying it. Keep saying it. I heard it myself growing up as a kid. And black folks said it to other black folks. There ain't no way we gonna do no better. Them white folks won't let us. They actually said that. They won't let us. So... Republican Democrats are all like, well, you know, they, you're right, but we can help you a little bit. And Democrats and Republicans are still saying, no, you know, I think you can do better for yourself. We believe you can do better for yourself. The Republican Party was founded on the ideals that every man 
has a chance. Frederick Douglass, the blackest man on the planet at the time, said, leave us alone. Don't give us nothing. Just give us a chance. And we'll do the rest. Let us stand on our own or let us fall. Blacks didn't want to hear what Frederick was saying. Because whites were saying, we're going to give you stuff for free. We're going to give you something for nothing. Except it's not nothing. Here's a sign right here. Register the vote. Put your X or your mark right here. Register the vote. And remember us come, come election time. We gave you $50 worth of food stamps to feed your 10 youngins. And we gave you this cramped little cinder block house over here so you can live in. And all you got to do is pay us a couple of dollars a month for it. Remember, we're looking out for you now. We're going to take care of your black ass. And all you have to do is vote. And this, my friends, is how the Democrats hijacked the black vote. And this, what I'm telling you right now, is why most blacks are Democrats. Because they've been told by their parents, by their grandparents, that we are Democrats because the Democrats are for the black people. Do you know that Martin Luther King's best friend outside the black community? Do you want to know the name of the, the, his best friend outside the black community? The man he would call and talk to in the middle of the damn night. The man who would sneak away and call MLK to see how he was doing and how MLK would call him. You want to know the name of that man? I'll tell you the name of the man right here and now. His name was Richard Milhouse Nixon. That's right. MLK and Nixon were friends. Right up until the point where MLK was thrown in jail. And he wrote that famous letter that he wrote in Birmingham jail. And Nixon was saying, I need to, I need to get him out of there. I, I, need to, I need to do something. But Nixon, one of Nixon's staff members was saying, no, you really shouldn't get involved. This is where Nixon made his greatest mistake. His mistake for himself and for the black community and for the Republican Party. He was advised not to make the call. Now, on the other side, John F. Kennedy. He didn't want to make the call at all. He wasn't going to make the call. Nobody even asking. He wasn't even thinking about it. Except one of his aides said, you know, I think it would be a good idea if you called. And JFK was all like, no, really, I don't want to get involved in that shit. Because, honestly, JFK thought the whole civil rights thing was a nuisance. It was getting in the way of the stuff he really wanted to do. 
So he wasn't feeling the whole, I'm going to call MLK, I'm going to call the jail, I'm going to call the governor and all that. He had to be talked into it and talked into it and talked into it some more. Now, on the other side, Richard Nixon is hearing chatter in his ear. And Nixon's like, no, I, I got to call. I got I to gotta do something. And Nixon's aides are all in his ear saying, no, 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 no. Well, finally, going back on the other side now to the Democrats, JFK is persuaded to make that call. And on the other side, Richard Nixon is resisting the temptation to listen to his aides and not get involved. He says, I got to make the call. But you know what? And you know the rest of the story. JFK makes the call first. JFK makes the call. He calls Coretta. Talks to her for a little bit. Then he calls the jail. Talks to Martin for a little bit. Now, he got there first. So now, Nixon makes a follow-up call, but do you know what? It's not about who does what. It's who gets there first. JFK made that call first. MLK, the ego-driven dude that he was, was thinking, man, JFK called. Where's my man Nixon? Where's my man Richie? He didn't call. We're supposed to be boys. Why didn't he call? Why am I hearing from JFK? Coretta's all like, oh, he really cares. He called, blah, you know, all that shit. So now, the word spreads that JFK called jail. JFK, the Democrat, called Coretta, called the governor. Well, we're going to have to switch our vote. We're going to have to vote for, for JFK now. We're going to have to vote Democrat. And so so it, so it begins. That one mistake. Now, I'm not saying this is what really kicked. This is that all that kicked it off. But it's one of the key factors that y'all didn't know about. A lot of y'all didn't know about. But here's one of the key factors. JFK got there first. And you know, right up to that point, MLK, Martin Luther King, didn't have that have any regard whatsoever for JFK. None. None. He was a Nixon man all the way. He was a Republican man. I'm not saying he wasn't a Republican, but he was a Nixon man. They were boys. Take it from me. I, I know what I'm talking about. So the word gets out and spread far and wide that JFK intervenes, calls, but the Republicans, Nixon, he don't call. Nixon must be a racist. Nixon don't care about black folks. Nixon represents the Republican Party, and he don't care, and they don't care about us. Blacks. Never mind that Jim Crow laws were put in place by Southern Democrats. Never mind 
that poll taxes were put in play by Southern Democrats. Never mind that the Ku Klux Klan was started by Confederate soldiers, four exactly. And General Nathan Bedford Forrest, Confederate general, Democrat, was their leader for a long time. Never mind all that. Never mind that men who were hung and strung up, men who were beaten, men who were whipped, men who were called nigger and boy, men who were degraded, women who were degraded, children, Emmett Till, and so many others. Never mind that these were all Democrats, Southern Democrats. It all went out the window when JFK made that call. And we forgot, as black people, we forgot who we were. We forgot our history, our rich history as Republicans was lost because we so much want others by others I mean people who are not members of our immediate family our nuclear family we want white people to care about us so much because you see we've never really lost that that slave mentality that has been so ingrained in us over the last 500 years or so. We've never lost that. We so want white people to approve of us and to care about us. We still, after all this time, after, after 1863, when slavery was abolished by a white man, a Republican, and his cabinet, and the Congress, after slavery was abolished, we still are looking for affirmation from the white man. We want him to care about us and to care for us. So, if a white person in a position of authority like a congressman or a governor or a senator or even a president says, I care about you. I feel your pain, Mr. Negro. Somewhere deep in the recesses of our brains and our heritage of our very being, we want that affirmation. Just like our ancestors our ancestors wanted it from Massa so-and-so and Massa so-and-so over here. Yes, sir, Massa. Thank you, Massa. Oh, you's a good nigger. You're doing fine. You're doing good. Oh, thank you, Massa. Thank you so much. I shows do appreciate you. I shows do appreciate that. And it's trickled down into our national, into our ethnic DNA 
to continue to want that affirmation. We want white people to like us. We want them to love us. We want white politicians who are in a position to help us, to to help us. And those white politicians who say, well, I can't, I can't I can't do all that. What I can do is this and this, and you know we can we can put you on your way in the right path. But you know I'm I, I can't give away free stuff because somebody has to pay for all this free stuff that the Democrats are saying they're giving to you for free. It's not really free. Black people are like, well, they gave it to me, so it's free. Well, you know what? We we just can't do it. So now, if a white politician won't give away free stuff and tell another black person how much we approve then all of a sudden now the republicans are the racist ones the republicans are now racist huh they've got black folks fooled Hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray. They've turned the tables, really, and it's it's quite brilliant. They have convinced the majority of the black black population that, yeah, you know what, yeah, that whole thing about the poll taxes, you know, just go ahead and forget about that. Oh, that Klan thing, yeah, forget all about that. You know, and I really, I sometimes chuckle when. I hear President Trump being declared a racist or when it's been said that, you know, he is in league with the Klan. The Klan was, when it started in Pulaski, Tennessee, Democrat. Listen, Confederate soldiers were not Republicans, folks. They were Democrats. And the Klan was started by Southern Democrat and, on top of that, former Confederate soldiers. When you say that President Trump said the N-word, actually, President Johnson Richard Byrd and a couple of other folks, all Democrats, actually use these words out loud. There has never been in the history of this republic a Republican president, senator, or congressman who can who would ever have the word nigger attributed to them. As being said, but there is concrete evidence that Southern Democrat congressmen, senators, and at least two presidents have used the word nigga in an official capacity. So when we start talking about Republicans using the N-word and blah, blah, listen, I'm going to say this for you, brothers and sisters out there. Crack a book. Learn your history. 
Learn your history. Don't ever come back to me and tell me I need to know my history. Because I do. And I'll throw that shit in your face. All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll come right back. You're listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Here, I'm going to tell you something. Listen to my man, Freddie. Frederick Douglass. He's going to lay it down for you. And this speech is called, What a Black Man Wants. Listen. Listen. I ask my friends who are apologizing for not insisting upon this right. Where can the black man look in this country for the assertion of his right if he may not look to the Massachusetts Anti-Slavery Society? Where, under the whole heavens, can he look for sympathy in asserting this right if he may not look to this platform? Have you lifted us up to a certain height to see that we are men and then are any disposed to leave us there without seeing that we are put in possession of all our rights? We look naturally to this platform for the assertion of all our rights and for this one especially. I understand the anti-slavery societies of this country to be based on two principles. First, the freedom of the blacks of this country. And second, the elevation of them. Let me not be misunderstood here. I am not asking for sympathy at the hands of abolitionists, sympathy at the hands of any. I think the American people are disposed often to be generous rather than just. I look over this country at the present time and I see educational societies, sanitary commissions, freedmen's associations and the like, all very good. But in regard to people of color in this land, there has always been more that is benevolent, I perceive, than just manifested toward us. What I ask for the black man is not benevolence, not pity, not sympathy, but simply justice. The American people have always been anxious to know what they shall do with us. Everybody has asked the question and learned to ask it early of the abolitionists. What shall we do with the black man? I have had but one answer from the beginning. Do nothing with us. Your doing with us has already played the mischief with us. Do nothing with us. If the apple will not remain on the tree of their own strength, if they are worm-eaten at the core, if they are early ripe and disposed to fall, then let them fall. I'm not for tying or fastening them on the tree in any way except by nature's plan. And if they will not stay there, then let them fall. If the black man cannot stand on his own legs, then let him fall also. All I ask is, give him a chance to stand on his own legs. Let him alone. If you see him on his way to school, let him alone. Don't disturb him. 
If you see him going to the dinner table at a hotel, then let him go. If you see him going to the ballot box, then let him alone. Don't disturb him. If you see him going into a workshop, just let him alone. Your interference is doing him a positive injury. Let him fall if he cannot stand alone. If the black man cannot live by the line of eternal justice, the fault will not be yours. It will be his who made the black man and established that line for his government. Let him live or die by that. If you will only untie his hands and give him a chance, I think he will live. He will work as readily for himself as the white man. Now a great many delusions have been swept away by this war. One was that the black man would not work. He has proved his ability to work. Another was that the black man would not fight, that he possessed only the most cheapest attributes of humanity, was a perfect lamb or an Uncle Tom, disposed to take off his coat whenever required, fold his hands and be whipped by anybody who wanted to whip him. But this war... This war has proved that there is a great deal of human nature in that black man. And that yes, he will fight. the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. That was Michael Wright, actor Michael Wright, who, I mean, he captured that speech. And he, I, I simply, it, I, it never gets old with me. I listen, sometimes I, I just sit in the dark in this room uh, I call this room the computer room, but I, sometimes I'll turn everything off, and uh, this humming of computers and various electronic uh, gear ceases, and it's deathly quiet in this room for just a little while. And I'll and I'll put on my headphones and I'll listen to the sound of Michael Wright's voice giving life once again to a speech given in 1865 by Frederick Douglass, arguably the blackest man that ever was, a former runaway slave with no formal schooling at all, none, mind you, rose to the position of counselor counselor to the president, the first counselor to the president of the United States was Frederick Douglass, counselor for Abraham Lincoln. 
And what he's saying in that speech, if you didn't get it, is that he would like it to be that we're not given anything, that nothing is just handed to us simply because we exist, simply because we, and I mean my ancestors, suffered through slavery. Because remember, Frederick Douglass was a runaway slave. He was still a runaway slave. There were still some places he couldn't go. So he was an actual slave who was saying, just open the door and I'll get it myself. Don't give me anything. Don't offer me anything. Don't prop me up. Just leave me alone. Let me get it myself. And if I can't, that's okay. Let me fall. If I cannot stand on my own two feet, then let me fall. Now, Freddie said this in 1865. Now, those of you, my Caucasian brothers, my white friends out there, my Mexican friends, my, my Asian friends, how many... How many black people do you know, black men, we're going to talk about just black men for a minute, who would say, you know what, I don't want the government doing anything for me. I don't want grants. I don't want programs. I don't want government funding for this or that. I'll get it myself. How many black people out there do you know, black men, black women, who say, you know what, all I want the government to do is get out of the way. All I want the government to do is leave me alone. I'll do it myself. Just don't get in my way. Don't make it hard for me. But don't give me anything either. How many how many of you out there know people like that? Because you know what I think? They don't exist anymore. If at all we, and I number myself as one, we're becoming extinct. It's like it's like my grandfather who who bought property. He bought he brought he bought farmland from a white man. Back in the the early 1920s. And the stipulation was that if my grandfather fell short, missed just one payment, just one, that he would lose the land. The land would revert back to the original owner and any money that my grandfather put in 
to the to the to the, to the owning of the property, or the purchase, would be lost. And from what I'm told, my grandfather just smiled, and he said he understood. And you know that land is in our family to this very day still. My grandfather never once, other than that purchase of that land from that individual, got a bank loan, held a credit card, or even a checking account, or a bank account of any kind. He never relied on the government for anything. He didn't trust the government. He didn't trust banks. He decided that if he wanted something, he would get it himself. Men like that no longer exist. There are no men like that anymore. And if there are, point them out to me. Prove me wrong. Especially black people. are. We're always looking to get something for nothing. And, and and what's most embarrassing, before we close the show, what's most embarrassing is that we, people of my generation and this new generation, are seeking to trade and profit off the backs of our great-grandfathers and great-great-grandfathers and mothers. We're seeking to get something for their suffering. We're seeking, there, there's still this talk of reparations. How do, how, how, does it, how do I get reparations for something that I never suffered? How do I get reparations for my great-great-grandfather, being a slave and suffering through slavery. How does that even work? What man with any sense of dignity and self-respect would accept payment for something that he didn't earn himself? But you know, there are a lot of black people out there saying, we deserve reparations. Well, you know what? Your black asses are getting reparations. You're getting grants. You're getting free stuff at every turn. You're getting, oh, you're getting the affirmation of white liberal politicians and and white liberal do-gooders who are saying, "Oh, you poor Negro, we need to help you. You can't fend for yourself." And you know what? Your great 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 grandfather suffered through slavery, so obviously it hasn't. It's trickled down, and and your black ass isn't too bright. And you can't stand on your own like Frederick Douglass said you should. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to help you out. We're going to give you some food stamps and some low-budget housing. And we may even put a few clothes on your back. But listen here, nigger. You got to vote. You got to vote for me. Otherwise, when the Republicans get, get in, you your free ride is over. Because they ain't going to give you shit. This is how Democrats operate. And you know what? Black folks, they fall for it every single time. Every 
single time. Because black people collectively over the last 400 years have suffered from low self-esteem, a low sense of self that we need to be taken care of and we need the affirmation of white folks. We need them to care about us. Please, Mr. White Man, please care about me. What was it that that moron rapper from Chicago who's married to the Kardashian chick, what did he say during uh, Katrina, right after Katrina? He said, and I quote, George Bush don't care, oh wait, and I quote, George Bush don't care about black people, end quote. I wouldn't give a shit if George George Bush cared about me or not. I don't, if you're not a member of my immediate family or my chick, I don't give a damn if you don't care about me. You're not supposed to. And certainly no politician whom I don't even know. I couldn't care less if a politician cared about me. But black people want to be cared about. All oh, them Republicans don't care about us, man. They don't care. Who gives a shit? So, but apparently a lot of black people do because they're still suffering from that low self-esteem. They're still suffering from that low sense of self. They know in their hearts or have been led to believe in their very heart that they're simply not good enough and never will be. And so, they need the affirmation of white people in positions of power. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like modern-day slavery to you? It does to me. It sounds like modern-day slavery. Please, Mr. White Man. Please, Mr. White Liberal. Please take care of me. Please give me a scholarship. Please, please vote in some more programs that don't mean a damn thing. You know, just do it for me to help me out, to look out for me. Please keep offering me grants and other free goodies. Because when you do that, you're showing how much you care, Mr. White Man. And those damn Republicans who won't give us anything for free, well, it's just because they don't care about us. And they're racist. Those Republicans are racist because they won't give us any free stuff. And they they refuse to offer us free goodies. Even though we know it's not free. That's what this is this is this is what's happening, folks. The Democrat Party has pulled the wool over your black asses eyes. And you fall for it every single time. Because the truth is most of you have no sense 
of pride, no sense of self, you still suffer from that plantation slave mentality and you're looking to Whitey for affirmation. But you know what? Republican Whitey, he ain't giving it. He's done enough. He set you on the path to righteousness and you told him, F you, I'm going to go over and kiss the ass of my oppressor, the party that started the Klan, the party that enacted Jim Crow laws, the party that whipped and beat and chained and water hosed and sick dogs on me. That party, well, you know, they've changed their stripes. They're offering me some free shit, so I'm headed that way. Yeah. Well, how's it working out for your black asses now? You've been listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I want to wish you a pleasant evening. And I want to say God bless you. And God bless the United States of America. We're out.
the hood. 